Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everybody, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today again with Chris and Lisa. Welcome. Hi everybody. Hi. Uh, and we basically like we're kind of in this narrative part of Acts again, where we're just dealing with like long stories about what's going on. So we have a story here of Paul basically entering Jerusalem and everything that is surrounding his entry into Jerusalem. Uh, and because I think it's hilarious, the first thing I want to talk about is how this Roman leader has no idea. He's like he like, he like totally has a wrong guy. He thinks he has Paul, and he's like, hey, aren't you that Egyptian dude that had like 4,000 assassins in the desert? Paul's like, no, <laughs> that's not me. <laughs> Is there any uh, scriptural value to that? Probably not, but I think it's funny. I'm sure somebody could write a whole movie script based on that little line of scripture. I would watch it. I want to I want to find out what's going on. He really Who's... needed to investigate or, or stalk better. 4,000 yes. assassins? That's a lot of assassins. I mean, that is. Yes. It's like the first Egyptian ninja. You read it here, Acts 21. And it's written down for all of us to yeah. now know. There you go. Well, my work is done here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but then Paul goes on and just, he shares his testimony. Basically, he starts talking to the people, goes through his background. Uh, and I did find it interesting. Um, I mean, part of his testimony is saying, like, I got knocked off my horse. I was blinded. There was a voice. Jesus basically appeared to me, then my sight was restored, and this whole time, the crowd just kind of, like, listens. But when he gets to the point about God sending me to the Gentiles, they go ballistic. And so, it's it's kind of, it's just kind of strange, like, you can talk about these supernatural things, you can say Jesus appeared to you, and in Jerusalem, they weren't too bothered by that, but when you said, we're gonna, I'm gonna take the gospel, I'm gonna take, like, this truth that was first entrusted to the Jews, to those people we hate, that was... This man needs to die for that. And keep in mind, these aren't separate stories. This is Jesus who was recently executed as a criminal in Jerusalem by this council. <laughs> they don't care. They're fine with yeah. that. It actually, it kind of reminds me of the, the whole Jonah story. Yeah. Um, you know, like, you can do a lot of stuff, but once you ask me to go to my enemies, that's really hard for me to yeah, do. Yeah, we're not doing that. So maybe, maybe a thought is, who would it be hard for us to go to? I don't know. Like, who do we not want to see reached with the gospel? Uh, of course, the missionary highlights, Lisa and I both spent some time in missions, and we always, uh, one of the main things that we are, are often taught is that one of the mo- most powerful things you can do when you're preaching the gospel is to share your testimony. And we're going to see Paul do that several times in the next couple of days, uh, that everybody he goes to, he kind of shares his testimony. Hey, this is who I am. This is what Jesus did for me. Uh, so that's that's an important thing to do. And the impact of it as well and how it affects people's lives and his his story, and then but also caused quite a stir as well. Yeah, I suppose, I mean, when you read through Acts, you hear a lot about the stirs and you get this picture of these huge crowds that are just, just becoming violent at the drop of a hat. I suppose there would have also been people in those crowds that were like, oh, huh, well, you know what? I think about that a lot. Like, you know, we see like maybe we don't see the masses doing something. Yeah. But what about the individuals? Yeah, there were definitely some people that would have um, went home and been like, I want to think some more about you what know, I was talking about. Pagan nations are being judged in the Old Testament. I think there were some individuals that heard those messages and changed and repented. We know there were. I mean, we, we've we've talked about that with God's whole story. Uh, the one the one that's forefront in my mind is when Egyptians actually leave as part of the Exodus. Like they had seen God mm-hmm. at work and they're like, Yeah, we want to we want to be part of this. So 
You know, one of the other things we pointed out is that, you know, a lot of times we're, we kind of, we see the forcefulness of Paul. We see the, you know, just the bluntness and stuff. But here we also get a little glimpse into his humility, I would say, and, and his tenderheartedness that when he kind of realizes that uh, he has insulted God's high priest, it's like he just stops and says, I am so sorry. I did not realize I made a mistake. Like really have an amazing picture here of Paul being quick to repent saying, and he said, he refers back to the scriptures. You should not speak evil of your rulers. I made a mistake. Um, I, that's kind of a, a side of Paul that we, you know, sometimes in his zeal or in his passion or in the, the supernatural things that we don't see quite as much of that. Do you know the weirdest thing about that? So the, the thing that he apologizes for, this is Acts 22, uh, like verse two, I guess. Oh no, 23 verse two. Sorry. Um, Ananias, the high priest commanded, uh, those close to Paul to slap him on the mouth. But Paul said to him, God will slap you, you corrupt hypocrite. What kind of judge are you to break the law yourself? He's like repenting for calling him out on something that he's mm. actually wrong about. It's, yeah. it's sort of strange. I mean, that's like extreme humility, actually, because I think Paul is actually correct. I mean, it, there's some echoes there of like turning the other cheek. I think so. And I don't know, I don't know, I don't know that Paul always has the reputation of somebody who's just laying think, it all down. I think that's why it stood out. Yeah. Because we don't see those glimpses as much, but here here we do. And um, yeah, that's why it caught my eye. He is certainly given much more respect to the high priest than he is the Roman leaders. Because hmm. he pulls the citizenship trick again. Um, there's kind of a funny back and forth with them too. He's like, yeah, I'm a Roman citizen. And the soldier's like, yeah, so am I. It cost me a lot. And Paul's like, yeah, well, I was born a citizen. How about you? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, shortly after this, then Paul kind of divides the crowd and slips out the side door. Uh, I used to do that in college. It was very fun. By calling out the Sadducees and Pharisees. It's like come in, be a guest speaker. And then, okay, well, He's just stirring stuff up and getting out of there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and the way that he does that is talking about, what, does he talk about the resurrection? Is that what sets mm-hmm. them all off? And so this Jewish ruling council is full of people that believe very strongly about different things. And so Paul's pretty sharp. I mean, I think if, if anything, something that sticks out through this entire narrative is he's pretty sharp because he deals very differently with different groups. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to bring up resurrection. It's going to tick off half the people. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to cause the other half of the people to be like, oh, no, wait, we actually like this guy. So, hmm. so do you try to keep everybody on your side or you just say, if I can at least keep half of them? It depends on if you're trying to escape a violent situation or not. Yes. And I know that we would want to use this as a church growth form. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. Not sure if we're ready for that. Uh, so after this huge fight in the ruling council, um, basically they... <laughs> They strike an oath to never eat or drink. So I don't know if they're like, did they die of hunger? Because they didn't kill him. It's quite hmm. an oath. I mean, you're, you're serious at that point. You're zealous. You're zealous. Is that the part that stood out to you? Yeah. I really like to eat and drink. And so, I, I mean, that's a commitment there. Yeah. I, I would give myself maybe 24 hours at max. I, I've worked with you. Max. Max. I would say max. We'd probably say maybe five hours. <laughs> So you make a lot of oaths about people being (laughs) killed. (laughs) I will not. That concerns me somewhat. Until I finish this project. I have very strong feelings about food. So I I get these guys. All right, guys. So uh, watch out when you're around Lisa, honestly. If she's not eating. Yes. 
ask yourself some questions. People know to leave things on my desk, like cookies, other things like All that, right. and I'm on board with it. So there is an assassination plot. Uh, Paul's nephew jumps in there. Way to go, nephew. And basically saves Paul. Uh, and so he gets taken out onto the next city. So he ends up in front of the governor. Uh, so we'll pick up there in front of Governor Felix tomorrow. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Acts chapter 21, starting in verse 37. As Paul was about to be taken inside, he said to the commander, May I have a word with you? Do you know Greek? The commander asked, surprised. Aren't you the Egyptian who led a rebellion some time ago and took 4,000 members of the assassins out into the desert? No, Paul replied. I am a Jew and a citizen of Tarsus in Cilicia, which is an important city. Please let me talk to these people. The commander agreed. So Paul stood on the stairs and motioned to the people to be quiet. Soon a deep silence enveloped the crowd and he addressed them in their own language, Aramaic. Brothers and esteemed fathers, Paul said, listen to me as I offer my defense. Then they when they heard him speaking their own language, the silence was even greater. Then Paul said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, and I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. As a student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you today. And I persecuted the followers of the way, hounding some to death, arresting both men and women, and throwing them into prison. The high priest and the whole council of elders can testify that this is so. For I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the followers of the way from there to Jerusalem in chains to be punished. As I was on the road approaching Damascus about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus the Nazarene, the one who you are persecuting. The people with me saw the light but didn't understand the voice speaking to me. I asked, what should I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told everything you are to do. I was blinded by the intense light and had to be led by the hands of Damascus by my companions. A man named Ananias lived there. He was a godly man, deeply devoted to the law and well regarded by all the Jews of Damascus. He came and stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. In that very moment, I could see him. And he told me, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear him speak. For you are to be his witness, telling everyone what you have seen and heard. What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. After I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying in the temple and fell into a trance. I saw a vision of Jesus saying to me, hurry, leave Jerusalem, for the people here won't accept your testimony about me. But Lord, I argued, they certainly know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And I was in complete agreement when your witness Stephen was killed. I stood by and kept the coats they took off when they stoned him. But the Lord said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. The crowd listened until Paul said that word. Then they began to shout, Away with such fellow, he isn't fit to live. They yelled, threw off their coats, and tossed handfuls of dust into the air. The commander brought Paul inside and ordered him lashed with whips to make him confess his crime. He wanted to find out why the crowd had become so furious. When they tied Paul down to lash him, Paul said to the officer standing there, Is it legal for you to whip a Roman citizen who hasn't even been tried? When the officer heard this, he went to the commander and asked, What are you doing? This man is a Roman citizen. So the commander went over and asked Paul, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I certainly am, Paul replied. I am too, the commander muttered, and it cost me plenty. Paul answered, But I am a citizen by birth. The soldiers who were about to interrogate Paul quickly withdrew when they heard that he was a Roman citizen, and the commander was frightened because he had ordered him bound and whipped. 
The next day, the commander ordered the leading priest into session with the Jewish high council. He wanted to find out what the trouble was all about, so he released Paul to have him stand before them. Gazing intently at the high council, Paul began, Brothers, I have always lived before God with a clear conscience. Instantly, Ananias, the high priest, commanded those close to Paul to slap him on the mouth. But Paul said to him, God slap you, you corrupt hypocrite. What kind of judge are you to break the law yourself by ordering me struck like that? Those standing near Paul said to him, Do you dare to insult God's high priest? I'm sorry, brothers. I didn't realize he was the high priest, Paul replied, for the scriptures say, you must not speak evil of any of your rulers. Paul realized that some members of the high council were Sadducees and some were Pharisees, so he shouted, brothers, I am a Pharisee, as were my ancestors, and I am on trial because my hope is in the resurrection of the dead. This divided the council, the Pharisees against the Sadducees, for the Sadducees say there is no resurrection or angels or spirits, but the Pharisees believe in all of these. So there was a great uproar. Some of the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees jumped up and began to argue forcefully. We see nothing wrong with him, they shouted. Perhaps a spirit or an angel spoke to him. As the conflict grew more violent, the commander was afraid they would tear Paul apart, so he ordered his soldiers to go and rescue him by force and take him back to the fortress. That night, the Lord appeared to Paul and said, Be encouraged, Paul. Just as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. The next morning, a group of Jews got together and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. There were more than 40 of them in the conspiracy. They went to the leading priests and elders and told them, We have bound ourselves with an oath to eat nothing until we have killed Paul. So you and the high council should ask the commander to bring Paul back to the council again. Pretend you want to examine his case more fully. We want to kill him on the way. But Paul's nephew, his sister's son, heard of their plan and went to the fortress and told Paul. Paul called for one of the Roman officers and said, Take this young man to the commander. He has something important to tell him. So the officer did, explaining, Paul, the prisoner, called me over and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. The commander took his hand, led him inside, and asked, What is it you want to tell me? Paul's nephew told him, Some Jews are going to ask you to bring Paul before the high council tomorrow, pretending they want to get some more information. But don't do it. There are more than 40 men hiding along the way ready to ambush him. They have vowed not to eat or drink anything until they have killed him. They are ready now, just waiting for your consent. Don't let anyone know you told me this, the commander warned the young man. Then the commander called two of his officers and ordered, Get 200 soldiers ready to leave for Caesarea at 9 o'clock tonight. Also take 200 spearmen and 70 mounted troops. Provide horses for Paul to ride and get him safely to the governor Felix. Then he wrote this letter to the governor. From Claudius Lysias to His Excellency Governor Felix, greetings. This man was seized by some Jews and they were about to kill him when I arrived with troops. When I learned that he was a Roman citizen, I removed him to safety. Then I took him to their high council to try to learn the basis of their accusations against him. I soon discovered the charge was something regarding their religious law, certainly nothing worthy of imprisonment or death. But when I was informed of a plot to kill him, I immediately sent him on to you. I have told his accusers to bring their charges before you. So that night, as ordered, the soldiers took Paul as far as Antipatris. They returned onto the fortress next morning, while the mounted troops took him on to Caesarea. When they arrived in Caesarea, they presented Paul and the letter to Governor Felix. He read it and then asked Paul what province he was from. Cecilia, Paul answered. I will hear your case myself when your accusers arrive, the governor told him. 
Then the governor ordered him kept in prison at Herod's headquarters. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, it means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, if you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, we would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, you can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.